Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with a special edition of the LOA Today podcast. Ever since his election to the presidency in 2016, Donald Trump has become a polarizing influence in American society and in other societies around the world. His supporters have been jubilantly and loyally enthusiastic about what they perceive to be his outstanding leadership qualities, but his opponents have adopted a diametrically opposite viewpoint, arguing that he is the most divisive and worst president in the history of the country. Whatever you think of Donald Trump, I want you to understand something very important about him. He is a master at deliberate creation using the law of attraction. He does not think in those terms. I suspect he doesn't even know what the term law of attraction means. Nevertheless, he is a master at applying the principle of the law of attraction in his life. I do not mean to imply that this means that he always gets everything right just the way he wants things to be. To the contrary, he often gets the opposite from what he wants. But that doesn't change the fact that he is still a master at using the law of attraction. From the moment that he was nominated by the Republican Party in 2016, he became a lightning rod for the most divisive impulses within American politics. He thrives on negative attention, even more than on positive attention. And he is completely unafraid to invent lies and call them truths in the firm belief that in doing so, he will make them true. Now, before I go further, I want to define some terms. In law of attraction circles, we often discuss vibration and alignment. Now, these two terms come primarily from the teachings of Abraham as received by Esther Hicks. The two terms confused me for many years until I finally came to understand that they referred to our emotional state when we are feeling happy, joyful, appreciated, empowered, free, loving, passionate, enthusiastic, eager, positive, optimistic, hopeful, or even contented, we are in higher vibration and in greater alignment with our inner beings. But when we feel sad, depressed, fearful, powerless, in despair, grieving, insecure, guilty, unworthy, jealous, Hatred, rage, revenge, anger, discouragement, blame, worry, doubt, disappointment, overwhelm, frustration, irritation, impatience, pessimism. Well, in all those areas, we are in lower vibration and lesser alignment with our inner beings. So for the remainder of this podcast, I will primarily refer to how we feel rather than referring to vibration and alignment. I also want to make clear, I don't like Donald Trump. Now, that's my bias. In fact, I struggle to find anything about him that I admire. The only thing I can think of that I do like about him is that he is surely a master at applying the law of attraction in his own life. Beyond that, I mean, he's a persistent liar and a deceiver, a master propagandist, one who's very likely enthralled of Vladimir Putin and the Russian government, and one who very likely took advantage of gray areas and even violated the law on numerous occasions in order to build his real estate empire. He's a misogynist and a mean-spirited person. His attitudes toward and treatment of women, minorities, and people with whom he disagrees is nothing short of appalling. He has taken partisanship to heights previously unexplored in the history of American politics. He is an angry, bitter man who will stop at nothing to get his way, no matter whom he harms in the process. In his view, the trail of victims he leaves in his wake are unimportant. Anyone who agrees with him is his lifelong friend for the next five minutes. Anyone who disagrees with him is not only his enemy, but is also an enemy of the state. He is the worst example, in my opinion, of a president 
that American history has given us. And that says a lot considering some of the presidents we've had. Now, I also want to make clear that I'm not a Democrat. I have not supported the Democratic Party since 1980 nor am I a Republican. I actually do not hold political beliefs much anymore. And when I did hold them, they were libertarian in nature. But I cannot stand even libertarian partisanship anymore. And I have come to understand that my commitment, that any commitment that I make to adopting any politically driven beliefs actually harms me and my goals in life. Instead, I prefer to focus on helping people directly rather than attempting forlornly to achieve change via politics, which at its root is actually a little more than a negative sum game where everyone loses. So you may be wondering, why am I bothering to do a podcast that ultimately is about discussing politics? Well, certainly my eight co-hosts and I on the daily podcast episodes have routinely urged listeners to not pay attention to politics or the news because of the exceedingly negative nature that they possess. In order to become master deliberate creators we must learn to feel as good as we can feel. We must always strive to feel better. And that's very difficult to do when one pays close attention to politics on the news, as I have learned over and over again in my own life. So why am I doing it? Well, I'm doing this podcast because I want to ask listeners to reconsider their own levels of obsession with the current political state. And I want to challenge people to reach for an even better set of ideals and aspirations to focus on instead. Now, I do have some credentials in this field. Not only have I done a podcast on the topic of the law of attraction for the past six years, I also have a background in political science. I graduated from Colgate University in 1980 with a degree in government and political science. I have been a study, uh, rather a student of politics ever since. That combined with my growing unwillingness to align myself with either major political party has given me a level of relative objectivity that has enabled me to gain understanding and insight that many people in the political world lack. Now, on the morning of November 9, 2016, when the world became aware that Donald Trump had won the U.S. presidential election, my wife Louise made an especially poignant comment. She said that if people didn't want Donald Trump in their lives, they should stop paying attention to him. If people stopped paying attention to him, he would lose all of his power. That's because Donald Trump thrives on negative attention. I mean, he craves it. He angles for it. And when he's not getting it, he will say the most outrageous things in order to continue to get it. He wants the entire world's attention riveted on him because he believes at some deep level that in doing so, he will feel better. It is a pattern that has driven him his entire life. So, How ironic is it that the one thing that would defeat Donald Trump is the one thing that his opponents are completely unwilling to do? His entire political campaign in 2016 and his activities as president since then were and are based upon the idea that if you scream loudly enough about the stuff you dislike, you will not only get the attention you want, but your focus will become the focus of the country. And that is precisely what has happened. Donald Trump set the entire dialogue for the campaign, and he sets the topics of dialogue for the country today. Now, Hillary Clinton completely failed to make more than really feeble emotional contact with her supporters, while Donald Trump strove constantly to make huge emotional contact with his supporters, and he continues to do so today. Hillary Clinton, rather naively, believed that politics and political success are based upon reason, logic, correct argumentation. 
Sadly, nothing could be further from the truth. The world is driven by emotion, not by logic. If it were driven by logic, the law of attraction would actually be impossible. But the truth is exactly the opposite. Not only is the law of attraction real, it is the foremost force for creation in the universe. This means it is not logic that creates, but rather it is thought driven by emotion that creates. Her, her, her husband understood this. That's why Bill Clinton was elected to two terms as president. His campaigns were all about connecting with the voters. Think, for example, of his famous appearance on Saturday Night Live, where he played the saxophone. I mean, that was one of the strongest campaign appearances he ever made. And he did, did not address a single political issue in any way that anyone really remembers from that appearance. All he did was make himself popular by playing the sax and wearing a pair of sunglasses. And it was immensely successful. Donald Trump, well, he never made himself popular in the way Bill Clinton did, but he did find a way to become popular. He did it by expressing anger, hatred, revenge, blame, and viciousness, viciousness, and then tying these things to themes of patriotism, religion, and ego. From the point of view of his supporters, he painted an ideal scenario. But from the point of view of his detractors, he painted a nightmare scenario. But the point is that he painted a vivid scenario, a vision driven by intense emotion, and it propelled him to the presidency. He did it in ways that I would consider dishonest, but nevertheless, he did it with high levels of emotion. His emotion won the day, largely because Hillary Clinton offered too little competing emotion to counter him. So even though she won the, pos the popular vote, she lost the Electoral College and thus lost the presidency. Now, also, the emotion that she offered was largely negative, like his. It wasn't nearly as intense as his, not by a long shot, but it was still largely negative. Much of the time, she just complained bitterly about how she was being treated, as did her supporters. From a law of attraction perspective, how could that produce anything other than more opportunities to feel negative? After all, the law of attraction teaches us that like attracts like, or in the words of Abraham Hicks, that which is like unto itself is drawn. Michael Avenatti, the attorney of film actress Stormy Daniels, who fought successfully to get the courts to set aside the non-disclosure agreement foisted upon her on Trump's behalf, has passionately argued that the way to defeat Trump is to fight back using his own tools and with the same level of passion. And he's correct that what made Trump so successful is his level of passion, and that a candidate who offers a similar, similar but opposing level of a passion of passion can effectively counter that candidate. However, I'm concerned that the Avenatti approach may lead to nothing more than a continued divisiveness in the political climate, and I predict that if his approach is followed, the Democrats and their supporters will find that they accomplish little of real substance once they get elected, all because their emotions are focused so negatively. The polls leading up to this year's midterm elections point to the Democrats taking slight control of the House of Representatives and maybe gaining a seat in the Senate. However, that is not the only possible scenario. The unknown variable in this year's electoral cycle is what I would call the unlikely voter. Now, pollsters, most pollsters poll for what they call likely voters. A likely voter, you could understand that as someone who either has a past history of voting in midterm elections or someone who has expressed to the pollster their intention to vote in this year's midterm elections. However, as a political scientist who follows the polls closely, I have noticed that there is a very strong potential 
for a large turnout from voters whom the pollsters would normally label as unlikely voters. Such potential voters are more interested in voting than they have been in a long, long time. The question is, will they? Will they overcome their historical tendency not to vote and actually vote this time around? So in my view, this year's midterm elections will really come down to one thing. Will the Democratic Party successfully get these voters to turn out to the polls on Election Day? Their get-out-the-vote effort will be the deciding factor. Now, the news media have made a big deal about how energized Republican voters will be as a result of the Kavanaugh confirmation process. But I believe that the most that that will accomplish is to energize those Republicans who are already inclined to support the Republicans at the polls. The real deciding factor in this election will be those who do not normally vote who are much more likely to want to support Democrats. If the Democrats manage to get them to turn out, this election could turn into a rout. And if that happens, not only will the Democrats take the House of Representatives, they will do so with a very large majority. And if that happens, they will very likely attain a small majority in the Senate as well, effectively turning the Congress against the president. So what is likely to make the difference here? How can we determine whether or not the unlikely voters will vote? If Democrats continue to emphasize all the things that they are angry about, they will actually undermine their likelihood of achieving that goal. This is where the law of attraction really makes a difference this time around. If the Democrats can find a way to emphasize what they want rather than what they don't want, they have a chance of energizing those unlikely voters and getting them to the polls. Negativity gets people's attention, but in the long run, only positivity gets them to take inspired action. This is a very primary, basic principle of the law of attraction, and it applies just as much in elections as it does in the rest of life. If the predominant attention of Democrats this year remains on the negative, on all the things that they dislike most, they will likely only achieve a small gain in this election cycle. But if they can portray an emotionally driven yet positive message, one that appeals directly to the interests of the unlikely voters, they can achieve the route that they hope to achieve. One of the most important factors in learning to become a deliberate creator using the law of attraction, as we all know, is learning to focus on what we want rather than what we don't want. Many famous examples circulate in law of attraction circles. For instance, there is the story of Mother Teresa, who famously refused to attend an anti-war rally, even though she was invited to do so, but was later happy to attend a peace rally. She understood the difference of focusing on what you want versus on what you don't want. All the wars on stuff tend to produce more of the stuff that is unwanted. The war on poverty produced more poverty. The war on drugs increases drug usage. The war on terror increases terrorism. The war on abortions produced more abortions. The war on gun crimes has led to more gun crimes. The pattern is so obvious, and yet it is amazing how often Law of Attraction supporters ignore the obvious. If Democrats want change, their kind of change, they cannot achieve it by focusing on fighting against what it is they don't want. That approach can only produce more of what they don't want. Let me take a moment to address just one issue that is important to Democrats. Universal health care, that's one of their favorite issues. But how have they fought for it? Well, they fought for it using a combination of focusing on what they want and focusing on what they don't want. I mean, a large chunk of their message 
involves making feel, people feel guilty about those who do not have adequate health care. The result has been a program that got passed into a law commonly called Obamacare, but one which is now under constant attack. In other words, they got a combination of the positive and the negative, the exact mixed vibration, the exact mixed emotional feeling that they've been putting out. I think there is also an unheralded negative aspect of universal health care that gets overlooked. Let me tell you a quick story to illustrate my point. In January 2003, my wife and I moved from Connecticut to Virginia, where we stayed for 11 years. When we moved back to Connecticut in January 2014, one of the changes we noticed right off in Connecticut was that the nearby hospital, the University of Connecticut Health Center, known more popularly as the Yukon Health Center, had grown immensely in size. And this mirrors what has happened with major hospitals all across the country. In other words, the attention Democrats gave to health care led to more beds with more sick people in them than ever before. Do you see the pattern? Do you see the point? The medical industry certainly plays a useful and valid role in our society, and yet it does continue to focus primarily on finding what's wrong with us. Even though they call themselves health care providers, their testing is about, is about testing for sickness. There have been improvements, no doubt. More and more medical professionals appreciate and understand the importance of positive thinking than ever before, and they attempt to apply this newfound appreciation in their respective workplaces. And yet, the overall predominant tendency and focus in medicine is still more negative than positive. I believe that's the main reason why there are more sick people than ever before. Now, if it were me, if I were a Democrat, and I'm not, but if it were me, I would be arguing for universal health, not universal health care. I would be proposing the ideas found within law of attraction circles for attracting more health into the lives of everyday people. I would be urging people to learn the power of the human mind to heal the human body. I would be calling for medical science to pay more attention to studying the placebo effect and to stop separating the placebo effect from their evaluation of effective treatments. To some extent, medical professionals have begun to do this, but as a democratic activist, if I were one, I would be making it a part of my party's message to the electorate. I would be urging people to adopt a new viewpoint about health, one that goes beyond health care, one that actually points to an across-the-board positive result. I would also urge democratic activists to go through their other favorite issues and ask themselves honestly, what can I do to improve our message where this particular issue is concerned or where that particular issue is concerned? This means noticing all the various ways that Democrats can focus primarily or the way that Democrats historically have focused primarily on the negative and changing that perspective and that focus to the positive. And there are certainly a lot of them. I mean, once they find them, the next step is to change the message regarding each of those issues to a more positive expression of them. And that, that is going to take some creativity, but it can be done. And the degree to which they do that is the degree to which they will succeed. Because despite all of the political angst, despite all the frustrations and anger and sense of betrayal that Trump opponents feel on a daily basis, it is possible to turn things around by focusing on intense positive feelings that are real positives. Even small increases in positivity can make a major difference in this particular election cycle. So if you are a practitioner of the law of attraction and you find yourself in despair about the current state of politics in America today, I urge you to reconsider your position from an emotional perspective. 
Are you focusing primarily on what you want, or are you focusing primarily on what you dislike? Focusing on what we dislike can only lead to more of what we dislike. Focusing on what we like can lead to more of what we like. If you want to see a change, a significant major change in the political climate in America, it starts with you. Not by becoming an activist and joining the screams of those protesting against Donald Trump, but rather by applying what you already know as a law of attraction deliberate creator who focuses on what he or she wants and refuses to focus on what he or she doesn't want. At least that's the way I see it. Before I close, I would like to invite you to become a subscriber of the LOA Today Law of Attraction podcasts. My eight co-hosts and I record 11 podcast episodes every week, and we do so with the express intention of helping you, our listeners, to achieve greater levels of positive feeling in your own lives. Our primary motivation is to help hundreds, thousands, and eventually millions of people to feel better in their daily lives so they can attract more of what they want and stop attracting more of what they don't want. Can you imagine a world where huge numbers of people focus on feeling strong, positive emotions and reject feeling ongoing negative emotions on a regular basis? The potential for global improvement staggers the imagination. If you aren't sure how to subscribe or you cannot find the subscribe button, there are instructions on the homepage of our website at LOAToday.net. So please take a moment to view those instructions and subscribe. You'll be very glad that you did because you'll get each and every episode sent right to your smartphone. And if you listen to each of the new episodes we put out each week, please take the time to post to your favorite social media platform the fact that you are listening to LOAToday.net. We have found that the most effective way to gain listenership and to increase the number of people getting their daily dose of happy is to ask our listenership to share the news via social media. The law of attraction ensures that when our listeners do exactly that, people they don't even know find out about the program and become listeners. In this way, we get the good news out about how to be a deliberate creator to more people every day. And finally, our, our podcasts are also broadcast live as they are recorded. We do this to make it possible for our listeners to call in and talk with us. If you are interested in doing this, again, just check out the notes about how to call in by visiting the homepage of our website at allawaytoday.net. Thanks for listening. I'm Walt Thiessen. We hope you'll join us here next time here at LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>